Welcome to the Revenue Marketing Report powered by CaliberMind. This is the podcast for marketers trying to expand their leadership skills. I'm your host, Kamala Thompson, and today I am joined by Eric Holtzclaw. Eric, tell us a little bit about your business and background. Uh, So I am a recovering technologist. So I started my career in technology and then worked for some Silicon Valley-based companies in a sales organization building professional services for them. Owned a research company for 10 years or so, sold it, swore I'd never start another business, and I accidentally started a marketing company. And the reason is marketing is a combination nowadays of technology and understanding your customer. And so in the space that we're in, it's a it's a really good combination of those two things. We primarily focus on B2B or relational marketing, not uh, transactional. And uh, we work in really exciting industries like fintech and insurance and health. I tell people we don't sell soda pop or uh, t-shirts, but uh, we do do the kind of more serious side of the world. So yeah. Still humans. I that, dig that's it. right. Still humans and very complicated like language that's typically used on that side too. So yeah. yeah. can only imagine. Actually, in a few cases, I, I have been there. So <laughs> <laughs> So today, there have been a lot of articles, some old, some new, about the gap between the CMO and CEO, specifically understanding what it is a CMO does and how to think about it. So initial thoughts, why is that gap getting bigger? Well, the gap is getting bigger because again, like I talked about being a recovering technologist and research and those types of things and marketing pre-2008 was this more transactionally driven, like how do you get eyeballs? How do you get somebody to call, you know, really conversion based and understanding that it's more about, you know, the long-term relationship you have to build, which is often seen potentially as a sales function. So it's like, there's some mix between those two parts of the organization. It's also very complicated. Marketing, people who went to school traditionally for marketing didn't know what they were getting into. Like we've got 25 to 30 different skill sets internally. It's all these things that have to be connected. And with the CEO who wants things often to be very, you know, finite, like get to the point, storyline, whatever. And I'm really expecting something to kind of not change you and I both know marketing is changing every day. I see it more like a uh, managing a, a stock portfolio. So you've got your growth stock, which is the new things that people are doing in marketing and your bond portfolio, which are the content and things that have been worked for years. And CEOs don't always like that uncertainty. And the marketer has to say too many words to explain it to the CEO to get it. Uh, and if the CEO doesn't, another thing I see is if a CEO comes from a classic sales background, and that's often a sales-led organization never understands marketing. Like it's like, who are you roofy people? And why are you spending all, what are you doing? Yada, yada, yada. And not understanding that ability, which, you know, gets into the data, but we did this thing. What did we get for it at the end of the day? So there's a lot of tension in that space. I'm more concerned about companies that have a CEO and don't have a formal CMO. And I am seeing that more and more. There's not, marketing is not sitting at the C C table in an equal way. I have seen that since the beginning of my career, honestly, Um, having spent a ton of time in startups and really starting in organizations that um, believed that the way to scale a BB business was 
bucket. And these are old terms, so I may have to explain them to the young people listening. <laughs> but they were trying to hire sales reps with a big Rolodex. So yeah. think of this as your contact list in your phone who already had relationships that they could then sell into. It was it's very much prioritizing knocking on doors, bringing donuts and other treats and trying to incentivize people who you already know a little bit to buy. Yeah, that's that's bribery. Not, that's not establishing a relationship. So uh, that doesn't quite work the same way. Well, yeah, and, and buyer demands have changed. Yep. And I don't think B2B is adjusting very quickly to that change. I Have you seen, yeah. like we're seeing it kind of move backwards instead of. Yeah, well, and the pandemic didn't help because right. it, you know, you removed these reasons or need to see somebody in person. And we are used to on demand now in a way that we never were. So why do I have to come to your silly webinar? And why are you like destination stuff doesn't work the way that it did? So there was a, a fundamental change as we thought about it from a consumer perspective. And when I go to work, I really don't change who I am, right? Like I, I'm working for a company. I still have the same attitudes of like today I had lunch brought in pre-pandemic. I did that rarely. And I do that all the time now, like all the time. And so that's the type of thing that you're working with in the marketing space. There's an expectation that some of the things that I have in my regular life are going to come to me in the business side. And the older the CEO is, the more set in their ways they are, the more pre-2008 they are, the less they're going to get it or understand it. And then we have the complication of, well, what, what really did drive the needle? Because I can't just point to one thing in time. It's going to be a combination of things. And you know that in your own life. Like there's so many things that I'll follow on I'll see it on Instagram. I'll see it online or whatever. And it'll take me two years to click yeah. the button and finally buy. Cause I'm finally ready at that mm -hmm. point to do it. And, and the other, I did a meeting this week and talked about how you as a company are that important to your customer. You're right. that important. And then they've got all this other stuff going on. And mm -hmm. you mentioned before we started the interview, the goldfish syndrome. So, you know, yeah. Goldfish has the attention span is eight seconds and the human is seven. And so that's all the stuff that we're dealing with on the marketing side. And, and you can't tell them everything. You got to tell them one thing to try to get them interested in along that journey. So it just doesn't play into the CEO's concrete desire for the quarterly goal and the whatever, right? And that be, that creates friction. And if you don't have a CMO who can explain it easily and well and defend it strongly, then you're going to have issues. Speaking of people who explain things well, um, let's let's talk a little bit about why we need to start paying more attention to building internal awareness. Why campaigns are a good idea. Let's let's maybe talk through what that looks like. So my uh, managing partner in our company, she runs a podcast called Mixternal Messaging, and so hers is about. <laughs> <laughs> the internal message and the external message need to be the same. And as we run sessions with clients and bring them on board, we call it brand therapy. And we're looking at, do you represent internally what you were also talking about externally? And if you don't, it's not going to work because you know, it's fake, right? Like if your people don't carry it, if they don't know the mission, vision and values, if they don't understand the things you're doing, they're your greatest, most multiplied asset. And so you need to think about what you're rolling out just as importantly internal 
to your external audience and to people who might come to work for you. So they need to like understand all those things that you're doing as well, because that's going to compel them to choose your company over another or reach out to you actively or remember you later. So we uh, see that mistake often where it's not inoculated into the existing employee base when they've got this great big marketing campaign or they've not considered what that means and they just push it externally and nobody even knows what it is or how to talk about it. They're, they truly, to get it out, that's going to be your greatest advocate base is those internal people. I'm just thinking early on in my career, I had this CEO who demanded everybody know the company pitch. And at the time I was in revenue operations and it, why do I need to know this? <laughs> but as time went on, I'm like, you know, I'm networking with a lot of our buyers. And when I tell them what I do, if it's really boring, that's not reflecting well on the company. So yep. that's actually really smart. So yeah, this is really resonating. Well, it's also, you want anyone who's out there to know how they could at least get a referral. You know, like if you say it and everybody's like, I don't know what you do, then you'd never get a referral from that person. But if you can succinctly tell them what you do, then when they hear that somewhere, they're like, oh, I've got a friend or I met somebody and they, they're exactly in your space. This is more of a B2C example, but there's a real estate agent we worked with and she would tell people that she sold houses in Buckhead and Brookhaven, which is mm -hmm. a set of neighborhoods here in Atlanta. And uh, the next real estate agent would get up and say, yeah, well, I'll sell you a house anywhere. And she's like, yes, but I will only sell you a house in Buckhead and Brookhaven. And so you, who are you going to refer anyone to if you know of a house being sold in Buckhead or Brookhaven? Her. You're not going to think of the other person. They're just another real estate agent, right? So how do yeah. you make your internal messaging that uh, appealing or compelling for your internal audience that they both understand it and that they're willing to share it? Right. And as you said, marketing is now a blend of technology and the art form. So on the technology side, we're seeing some data points starting to disappear a bit. And we're starting to revert to past tactics where we're looking at correlations more heavily. Yeah, And that can feel really squishy for a very numbers-driven um, executive team. So how how do you go about setting expectations for when and what we can see from a given campaign? And I know it depends on the campaign type. It does, <laughs> but we have some general guidance. We have general guidance. And I love when, because you and I hadn't talked about, like, it's weird to have like two people come together who do this kind of work. And then you say things like that. I'm like, that, I'm seeing that too. Like, I'm absolutely seeing that too. So um, we talk about, we talk about four to six months for a payout. We don't know for four to six months and we got to get the stuff out there, do it consistently. I use gym analogies like, Hey, you want to run a marathon? Like you want to run a marathon and you've not run a day in your life in the past 10 years. So we got to start off. We can't run a marathon tomorrow. So what are the first things we need to do? What does that need to look like? How do we make sure we impact that? I used to talk about how we would do the initial strategy and activation work. And then we had a period of time I called the pit of despair now, my team has asked me to start calling it the Valley of Opportunity, but that's when all the work is happening and you don't really see things. And then you get towards the end and you can start to understand, oh, if I get this much here and then this much here and then this much here and then this much here, I end up with something over here. Or, you know, you're, anecdotally, you're starting to hear and see things too, which is really squishy. Like CEOs and so hate the squishy part. But I love when we're working with a person and they're like, 
So we've been doing this thing and I ran into like three people this week that saw the thing and they talked to me about it and it was a door opener. So I am, a, I am, I love spreadsheets, but I'm a qualitative guy. Like it's all about like how things make me feel and whatever. And then I love to put things into a spreadsheet. So you do need to have a little bit of both sides, but you can't lean too heavily one way or the other. So it's this like experimentation, trying a thing. We use a term internally called BACOM. So branding, awareness, traffic, conversion, and optimization. I wish it were a Liger term, but it's not. And I tell everybody, you want conversion. I get it. I can't give you conversion today. Like I got to get you traffic. I have to have, make sure people are aware of you and your brand has to be right. Cause if those things are not working, then we're not going to get you there. So four to six months, typically people hate that. It's true. It's beyond a quarter. Uh, and, and you should start to start see signs of life, right? Things that are working, just like if you were to go to the gym and you start to notice that maybe your clothes fit a little better and you know, you're sleeping better, those kind of things. It's, and those are measurable. It is measurable to know that heavy lost weight and whatever, but it's not, that's the thing that means later you're going to be able to run the marathon. Right. Right. So, yeah. And it's interesting. I don't know if you've seen this, but uh, well, maybe we get into this in our next episode tomorrow. I don't want to spoil it. So tomorrow we're going to be talking about how to sell the executive team on marketing numbers heard us referred to as the arts and crafts department more than once. <laughs> so this will be a good one. Eric, thank you so much for joining us today. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to the Revenue Marketing Report. Please tell two friends, subscribe, download, whatever you can helps. And for those of you looking for more great content like this, check out calibervine.com.